We're live. Hello, hello, greetings. What's going on, dude? How's your time up north? Um, it's it's lovely. I'm uh, I'm really I'm really enjoying it. But I usually I usually have like a really good three or four weeks when I'm back, and I just appreciate everything and everything is super convenient. Because where I'm from, um, you'll have to come here sometime. It's uh, it's like I live in a rural sort of towny area, so I have countryside and beach, and then in 20 minutes I can be in the middle of Liverpool city centre. So it's super convenient. Uh, but yeah, I'm loving it so far. I'm absolutely loving it. Nice. I remember last time you were like, uh, it's kind of just too slow here, but I guess it's refreshing after th that last winter. <laughs> well, after the last seven months of not being here, it's, it's lovely to be back. Eventually, it, it is like it's an insular, it's a peninsula. I literally live on a peninsula. It's mm. super insular. And um, if you're married and you have kids, it's wonderful because it's safe and you know yeah, it's, yeah. it's good. I am neither married, nor do I have children. So it's like... Hmm. That's a little dull. How's how's things there in Prague? Uh, it's getting a bit brighter, as you can see. There's light coming through the windows. Um, it, it's literally three day, two or three days of semi sunny, and then it's cloudy and rainy, and it's May. So I don't know what's going on with the weather. Necessarily. Oh, no, it's, it's completely schizophrenic. Here it's the same. Yeah. It was like really, really sunny. So I went out for a meeting today. It was like a, a, a like coat, scarf, everything, and then blazing sun was 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 next minute. It was, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have one day that's at least like 26 this week. And the, the, I have no idea how to adjust again. Like, I got the shit kicked out of me. Like, it's Central Europe, isn't it? It just goes ping and then drops, ping and drops. Yeah, and, and like the whole atmosphere is different regardless of weather. So I'm like, how do I even fucking come back, you know, shit. So people, um, I was watching the comments on the uh, video that I just released on mm -hmm. my youtube channel which is called how oversensitivity woke oversensitivity is destroying our culture people loved it they really liked it but one of the last comments that came through was hey thanks for keeping it so concise and i was like that's because yeah it's managing me i'm, <laughs> and I'm uh, allowed to talk shite now <laughs> yeah i'm a secret strategist in the cia of richard Grannon, basically yeah. uh don't yeah. tell anybody but uh <laughs> Yeah, it's it's one of my strengths, I think. <laughs> Pierre's Pierre's actually controlling the the content that's that's coming out of uh, of of the main channel right now. So, and he's also editing the uh, videos. Um, so, it was, which which gives it a bit of pace and a bit of engagement, which was nice. Um, one of the one of the things that I wanted to to start off with was something that was solutions focused. And I want to keep coming back to this as as we're talking. Um, cause I think it's easy to sort of define where things go wrong and where it breaks down. A lot of the comments were saying like, you just need empathy and everything will be okay. Um, so, yeah. So I just wanted to counter that. There's actually, <laughs> there's actually psychological research on this that came out not that long ago, maybe a year, maybe 18 months ago, that just empathy alone, um, can actually be very, very warping and it can actually make people quite mentally sick. There's nothing necessarily wonderful about empathy. I would suggest that what we need is better judgment. Sorry about that. It's all right. Is that me that was talking? No, that was you. Yeah, I was just trying to open up the, the chat on the other thing. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, better judgment, um, good boundaries, and operating in good faith. The problem with empathy is it's not it, it's not the thing that people think it is. Like if you just see something from somebody else's point of view, 
that doesn't magically make everything okay like far from it and and to a greater or lesser degree like it assumes that we all have the ability to run that simulation in our minds of seeing it from somebody else's point of view we don't some of us are just not good at it well i mean dude i am a living social and psychological experiment on myself and a lot of the times i just speak from experience and that's one thing that i've definitely experienced i just every new age mantra every new age philosophy whatever your ego is what's evil and control that thing and the whole empathy will cure i've tried it i've literally tried it like an extreme version of that like i i would just be overly empathetic and have no boundaries and just give all of my self-worth to whoever the hell else and just purely tried to literally help to the point where it would bankrupt me spiritually and financially and materialistically in a lot of ways and gave me a lot of a lot of problems and there's still a lot of things that i'm trying to uh, reprogram in my head because of that well it's a it's um it, it kind of functions like the ring in the lord of the rings because it's there's something seductive about it it's like a one-size-fits-all solution a panacea i'll just be empathic and the problem with with empathy really is um it relies on a kind of psychosis because empathy is i have to pretend i know what pierre xo is thinking and i I should do that like we should teach our children to do that we absolutely should try to run the simulation and be like okay so i'm your age and i'm I'm from your background and i'm in the time how would that make me feel for a few seconds it's fine but if I'm literally trying to live as you, number one, um, the like the the chance of me running that simulation properly is so small. And number two, it breeds a kind of narcissism because I'm like Pierre doesn't really know what Pierre that's, is. That's 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 the thing, and that's how it comes out ninety percent of the time. It's like, yeah. bitch, you assume what is good for me. You know, it's like, you know, it's like when you're eating and then, you know, I'm sure this is a common trope and one of your relatives just keeps force feeding fucking shit down your throat. And obviously there's, you just deal with it, you know, it's okay, grandma or whoever the hell is doing it. But it gets to a point where it's like, I can choose when I'm hungry and what food I like. I don't like the potato stuffing, you know, or whatever. The (laughs) The potato stuffing. (laughs) Mom, I don't like the potato stuffing, Mom. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I get where it comes from. And then I don't fucking cuss out my mom and give her an uppercut if she <laughs> just does that. Like, obviously, there are times to just accept your grandma's and your mom's food. I mean, but like, just to kind of further the analogy, it's like, you know, no one no really knows what the other person needs. And oftentimes, this is, a, this is a really passive-aggressive thing that I fucking do sometimes. But I don't do it as much anymore. But back then, definitely. I would just yeah. follow a person's advice to the T. Like, what, all the you, way. What do you call that? You told me what this it's is. A, it's a malicious compliance. Right. And it, just, and, and it just brings out everything wrong with the advice. <laughs> so I should do this? Watch me do it, fuckface. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I didn't no really ego. mean that you would do it all. Yeah, yeah. You want it? You want me? No ego, empathy only. Okay, you know. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I, I think I think that's why 
I mean, I've spoken out against it. I know Sam Blackman's spoken out against it. There started to be this just this wave of people from 2015 to now coming on the Narsen channels and talking about how empathic they are and being like, I'm a super empath. I'm an empath. I'm an empath. And I'm like, well, way to pat yourself on the back. Like, I'm, I'm just really kind. You see me? I'm just really, really good as like a person. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. I think that's well, for us to say. I don't think it's for you to just fucking aggressively declare it. I think you can take that as a compliment further down the line. I think, yes. Um, it's, it's just such a obvious solution to mm -hmm. seeing people be mean to each other. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't, you don't, it, it's not thought out one step ahead. It's just like, oh, I see bullying. I see violence. I'm going to be nice. Here's a controversial thing. And um, I'm going to say it. You're not saying it. Don't conflate Richard Granham with Pierre XO. They're two separate entities, though the combined thing is called Tentacle Croissant. And I'm saying this from the point of view of like yin and yang, intrinsic masculinity and intrinsic femininity. So I'm saying, I'm going to say that I think this is, we never say toxic femininity and I don't, I don't like toxic masculinity as a concept. So let's say you have noble femininity and, and ignoble femininity in, in the ignoble feminine, which I can enact. I mean, I'm, I would work as a life coach. I work with people's emotions. So I could be feminine and I could be nobly feminine or ignobly feminine. I think when it's ignoble and it makes low resolution analyses of situations, you you end up with what looks like a a bossy kindergarten teacher who's who who sort of reduces everything down to just do as you're told and just be nice just just be but aggressively like just be nice and it's like well do you want to teach children that is that the essence of life to be nice i mean i think that's how i was raised and it fucked me up like it made me completely codependent well, you, because well, being you, nice started, privacy. you started getting into fights and you became a bouncer, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. dude, yeah. I'm, I'm doing the last few years of my life has, well, not last, the last fucking 10 years of my life, if anything, mm -hmm. has been um, uh, not a compensation, but uh, a reaction formation yeah. against the niceness that I grew up learning. Like, obviously, a part of me at my core is just, I want to be a kind, empathetic person, whatever. Mm. But going out in the real world like that, that's not how it works. And a lot of me feels lied to. And 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 now that's bred a lot of resentment in me. And that's why I've continued acting out for so long. Nowadays, it's leveling out a lot more. But definitely at its prime, it came from an upbringing of just being told, be nice and polite and you'll be fine. And. And that, I think, like, when I track um, in, in my own experience, you're right, when you corrected yourself, you said it, it's not compensatory. In the Adlerian sort of psychological tradition, it's absolutely compensatory. We, yeah. And I think, I think we, it's so much of what we do is a compensation for where we feel like we're missing or we're out of balance. And it goes into, that's where the shadow work is. You need to identify that and look at it. And I think that, well, I track the course of my life. I think I'm that classic kid who was overmothered. Dad wasn't around, wasn't interested. And how is it if I was around a woman all the time, imbibing um, more uh, feminine values and being told, be nice, be nice, 
why did I end up such a confrontational, violent little twat? And I chose that life. I wasn't forced into it through through poverty and that. I was like, I want that now. And it was looking back, everybody was telling me I'd lost my, my fucking mind. And now I can look back and I can be like, okay, I see it. See, to balance it out, if you have the ignoble masculine, and ignoble masculine is just like, oh, take risks and smash people in the face. Sure. You would you would also have a problem. It's finding that, it's finding some sort of moderation, some sort of balance and integration is, is so important. But um, just being nice is, is yeah. never... It's never going to cut it. I, uh, I we we talked about this before. It's actually a concept I'm quite proud of, somewhat developing. I hope no one's done it before, but uh, in my own words, I have, which is um, that violent, ignoble, masculine brute, the the orc, the imaginary archetype of um, of a orc Viking zombie or whatever. Mm. If you're in your case, and I guess yeah, my case too. Mom was there, dad disinterested, whatever else. As you grow up, your human psychology naturally needs a balance of the two. So mm -hmm. if your masculine presence isn't in your life, your 13, nine-year-old self or whatever tries to imagine yeah. a masculine presence to substitute it. And you know what a nine-year-old's idea of masculinity is, Zork yeah. Omni Brute. So then that becomes you to... Yeah or whatever at whatever age in order to father yourself yes yes for me it was uh when i was sent to boarding school at age 13 it was alex from a clockwork orange richard stark from the dark half by stephen king and hannibal lecter from the silence of the lambs i chose ultra masculine ultra yeah. criminal and violent people because i don't know i guess i was already angry and i just i guess if you're lacking masculinity you're going to seek a cartoonish overcompensatory yeah. version of it right. and, and even, even on the female side a lot of the women can be attracted to these figures too and a lot of coincidentally i guess is that the, the father's presence wasn't in their lives so they had to some substitute it and invent some version of that we we should probably do a whole episode on where the dating scene is up to now but that you just i think that encapsulate the dating scene uh, yeah. Lost, lost boys, eternal boys, puer eternus, who are lost in a bad boy um, frame, and then lost girls who are perpetually chasing the image of masculinity and, and a, a dis because the imprinted image for these girls is father walking away. It's the it's yeah. father's back as he walks out the door. So anybody who shows up in his presence and shows the front, they're like, oh, what is this weak? you know, whinging simp. Ugh, why is he here? He should be over, he should be leaving me. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's imprinted. It becomes an addiction. Yeah, and that's why a lot of these movements on either side of the spectrum are so extreme. They're just right. nine-year-old fabrications of the ultimate uber mom or uber dad, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, uber mom, uber dad, uber mensch. I, yeah. I, was, I, was, I was watching... Uh, there's a there's a TV show called Generation War, and it's uh, from the German perspective the story of, uh, of Nazi soldiers. It's 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 pretty good. But I was as they're fighting the Russians, I'm I'm reminded as I'm thinking about these subjects, especially as it pertains to uh, ideology, communism, fascism, social nationalism, and I'm thinking, God, uh, I was reminded again, Hitler had Hitler and Stalin were two sides of the same coin. Hitler had the fatherland, Stalin had the motherland. Hitler had fascism, 
Stalin had communism. And they are ignoble masculinity, brutal, sadistic, violent, uh, love of machines and toys and tricks, and then ignoble femininity, total smothering control, wanting to control your thoughts, your feelings, your soul. Yeah. Totally and, invasive. No, that's a great segue into the, the hypersensitivity subject. Innoble femininity seems to be the mode of conduct for this upcoming generation being indoctrinated in universities and social media and whatever the hell else. Because like you explained earlier, it's along the lines of just do exactly what you're told or we're going to put you in time out. Mm -hmm. You don't need an explanation. No, because I said so. And isn't it interesting how you can see even in response to the Roro, like I didn't think about it until I read uh, The Coddling of the American Mind, where they wrote this in 2018, maybe even earlier, maybe it was 17, um, safetyism yeah. and risk aversion and obedience. And I'm like, oh, just think about how those three concepts intersect with how we've responded to the Roro, which is obedience is a virtue and absolute safety is the highest uh, um, objective state that we should be going for with no risk whatsoever yeah 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 and i'm like oh so so it's you want to create the perfect walled kindergarten with like yeah you know the kids it's can't cool. bang their heads on anything or, or eat yeah. a bee or something yeah wear helmets on the slide like honestly <laughs> why haven't they done that yet why haven't they given helmets for kids on the playground at this point and why how are there even playgrounds that are legal no, I would, I would imagine they would just substitute it with playing cards or something instead by now. Well, you know, there's a funny thing with that. And I, I, um, I, mustn't, I mustn't analyze my family members. But for me, the only experience I get around kids is, is, when, is when I go to see my sister in California and play with the nephews. And actually, um, I'm a total hypocrite on, on this issue that we're discussing when it comes to kids. I am so overprotective and frantic and anxious mm -hmm. And I think when people have kids, I think it breaks their, even if they're like ultra woke, ultra sick, I think they just stop. I think they're just, they're so tired. They're so worn down and the kids train them and they just learn like, okay, like that's not, it, it, it's not going to function like that. We, we, it's not, it's not a tenable situation to do that. So actually in, uh, in Southern California, all people with their kids, um, that I saw in Encinitas are admirably tough with their kids. Like the kids are frequently running around barefoot. They're skating. I think my nephew turns two. He can already skate. He's got incredible like um, kinesthesia, the ability to know yeah. where his body is. And they just they just let them play. And they let them they they run away from their parents. And I'm more like, oh, where are they? And, and everybody else is like, no, it's okay. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. And they're actually pretty chilled. So I wondered. I wonder if there's something about parenting kids that knocks that out of you. So you're not, you just know that you couldn't be that hypersensitive uh, with your children all the time. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, I guess pretty much depends on the demographic that you're around. I, I mean, I don't know what would determine what would make the parent overbearing or not. But I think another thing is that those kids that are playing around are not the ones on social media screaming the loudest. Well, I mean, Jonathan Haidt in the book, The Coddling of the American Mind, said one of the things that determines it is class. So if you're raised middle class, yeah, you'll yeah. have far more coddled time than if your parents are working class. So the people I'm looking at 
even though it's Southern California, these are the children of like soldiers and and working. They're working class people. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I I grew up pretty working class too, so I had my fair share of running around with no leash type of a thing too. Yeah, <laughs> getting some bumps and some scrapes. I mean, the the thing is as well in America with the amount of wealth that's there. When we say middle class in America, it's like you could be pretty effing wealthy by British comparisons of of, of middle class. But cl class was he 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 said the psychological yeah. research indicated. Class you know what's you know what's fascinating over the the last few decades of contemporary American history because nothing exists before 1900. Um, the the thing is is like <laughs> America has been the leader of just pure rebellion. And to the point where it was, I'm going to use the word toxic. I mean, like mm -hmm. people are throwing fucking TVs out of hotels and it's being celebrated for that, you know, Led Zeppelin and everything. And every, everyone was just kind of running fucking crazy. And that, and that's kind of what was even admired globally about America, the freedom yeah. to say, fuck you type of a thing. Yeah. And it's strange how the same place is now the leader of safetyism, complete sheltering and risk aversion which i guess it does make sense because it's com compensatory it's it's compensatory and and um i discussed this uh on visceral gravitas uh Deef's channel um when they invited me on because i was saying well basically the world has inherited another fucking american problem which is now sjw warrior culture and wokeism but then as the conversation progressed we were talking about yes exactly that like um individual rights and individual liberty as being the most important thing a human being can have. Let's escape from the smothering effects of the British crown, which is an overbearing, controlling mother, if you like. Uh, uh, America is a child that, that runs away, if you want it, you know, simplistically. Um, obviously, it was it, there was plenty of ignoble masculinity running around at that time, because it was just, uh, me have gone, you not have gone, <laughs> me fucking win, fuck you. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense that this stuff comes from the states. It's always a pendulum swinging as far as it can on one side to the other. And I think America kind of was the lead of ignoble masculinity for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, well, that lasted a long time. I guess we'll go the other way now. Well, it's funny. On, on the visceral gravitas uh, thing, a, a lady said to me, well, it wasn't America that learned how to colonize the world and she was saying you know america's got moral superiority over the british and i let it go and then afterwards i was like oh damn but you forgot when america was formed you were british you weren't talking with american accents you were talking like me mm. <laughs> for generations they were brits it was a predominantly british settlement and it was a colony so of course the it is it's intrinsic it's it's kind of a beneficiary of an evil empire if you like and it's it's like it's a colony of an it was a colony of an evil empire and so of course that reverberates uh, down through the generations but i think as as it has the poison so it has the antidote nearby and we do need in my humble opinion a return to um a a, a more a cleaned up version of having uh, individual rights individual responsibilities smaller government we must do away with this addiction to asking people to solve our problems for us we've yeah. otherwise government will just grow and grow and grow i'm sure governments everywhere love woke ideology because it always involves an appeal to force and an appeal to a higher authority and if we could pull away from that we could be 
we could be saved. Well, it's not just coincidence that the CIA now is completely woke. Do you want to tell these good people what the CIA have done? <laughs> Why don't we pull this motherfucker up, man? Yeah, because if you can, if we could share it, I mean, because well, well, we're gonna make a. Oh, you're gonna make. I'm not involved at all. I I, I just hang out on a hammock most of my days. So, uh, Richard Grannon's gonna make a video on this here. Yes, uh, this is definitely worth the watch, though. I can't share it on my phone. Um, so if I, you I just after after the stream, if you look up CIA, work, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. I can do it right now. Okay. Uh, just give me one second here. Okay, share screen. I, li I like this. I like that we're having this conversation because um, when I tell people I've applied to join MI5, they look at me like I'm lying because they get confused MI6. I'm like, MI5 advertises publicly. So does the CIA. They make public-facing adverts that say, come and join us. And people are like, no, they don't. Like you watch too much TV, man. <laughs> okay, pull, pull, uh, click, click the thing under somewhere. Click the thing under somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I give great direction. You know this. <laughs> what What am I looking for? The uh, the, the should be under, like you know how you add me to the screen. Yeah. And that little bar with other faces usually should be. I don't yeah. know. If you, see it. you see it? Um. Yeah. I think I think you're thinking of what you can see on a laptop on a phone. It's uh, yeah. It's it's not there on the phone. Mm -mm. Uh, you gotta see it though, bro. Fuck. Wait, how did you add me in earlier? Uh, it just gives me the option to add a guest. Yeah, can you click that? Is there a screen option anywhere? Um, yes, you did it. You did it. Did I? Oh, great. Yeah. I wonder. Oh, I hope we can hear it. Awesome. L let me know if you can hear it. Color. I am a mom. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Let's play that again real quick. Hold on. I'm a woman of color. I am a mom. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. I used to struggle with imposter syndrome, but at 36, I refuse to internalize misguided patriarchal ideas of what a woman can or should be. I am tired of feeling like I'm supposed to apologize for the space I occupy rather than intoxicate people with my effort, my brilliance. What, what the hell does that mean? Wait a minute. Patriarchal ideas That's what you can or should be. I am tired of feeling like I'm supposed to apologize for the space I occupy rather than intoxicate people with my effort, my brilliance. Yeah, Richard, what does that mean? That's why, I, that's why I sent you that message on Telegram. I was like, I don't know what that sentence means. Is that woke language? I'm, I'm here to intoxicate people with my brilliance. I mean, that just sounds like an effort to normalize fragile narcissism. Who the hell do you think you are? You're a government agent. You're there to serve. Intoxicate with your brilliance? Are you mad, fam? <laughs> Are you mad, fam? Are you mad? You're not super. Uh, uh, hi, guys. I've come in today to intoxicate you with your with my brilliance. Yeah, <laughs> we know you did it every day this week. It's 
perfectly fucking tedious. Please stop. So you're going to help strategize to take down the new drug cartel? <laughs> well, if I can do that, you know, and slay like a queen whilst intoxicating people with my brilliance, because intoxicating CIA members is really a top fucking priority for a secret service agency. I am intersectional, but my existence is not a box checking exercise. I am a walking declaration, a woman whose inflection does not rise at the end of her sentences. I am unapologetically me. I want you to be unapologetically you. Yeah, you get the point. Um... It, it's almost like a parody in that it encompasses that sort of the, the pettiness of woke, um, where people want to be uh, praised for the smallest things. Like, she she's demanding to be praised in that video for not having an inflection at the end of her sentences. I'm like, you, what? Dude. Why would you even draw anyone? Nobody cares. Like, hey, why would you draw it? Hey, Richard. Richard, imagine, is there a way to zoom out? Zoom out? Oh, yeah, nice, nice. Um, imagine walking into an interview with MI5 and then j just being like, and then the interview just goes like, you know what I like about you? <laughs> <laughs> the inflections at the end of your sentence, they don't go up. You're higher. Well, listen, Harold, I think we're over quota this month, but I do like the way he doesn't inflect at the end of his sentences. And, uh, you know, that's pretty important in our ongoing war against Russian intelligence. <laughs> Let me ask you, before we deal with Putin and the cyanide situation, I want to ask you, are you here to occupy space or to oh, dazzle yeah. us with your brilliance? I'm absolutely here to shatter all pre-existing heteronormative cisgendered stereotypes and to intoxicate you all. With my brilliance. You're hired. <laughs> Quickly, make him the king of England. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Oh, my what, God. What is that? Who's who's that for? Who's it for? Why are they doing it? I don't, it's like a bad joke. I mean, what do you think like China and Russia are thinking when they see this? I think they're thinking, out. wonderful, wonderful they're like, at oh, last. It worked. <laughs> they, yeah. They're like, oh, fuck, it actually worked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this bullshit we began in the uh, 1960s, actually, it's beginning to reap rewards. <laughs> Re rewards. <laughs> Dude, but think about how fucking crazy of, it, of an idea that is. Like, uh, well, there's a communist recruitment video that you sent me that we'll make a video on, too. This shit mm -hmm. came out in 1966 literally goes divide and conquer, you know, blah, 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 blah. It kind of lays everything out. But, like, think about how fucking crazy of an idea that would be for Yuri Brezhnev and the fucking KGB to be like, mm -hmm. well, we can start in the 60s, and it will take four generations mm -hmm. if we indoctrinate and then let this play out in the year 2000, the country is ours. And then we see what happens. And it's like, oh, well, I actually didn't think that would work that well. I, I was discussing this with my, my uh, I, I have two two half brothers and a half sister. And we were sat around the other day. They, they watched this, by the way. My eldest brother said that, I watched you the other day on original testicle. <laughs> I said, what? What did you fucking say? 
you know, original testicle. It's called Tentacle Quasar. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, whatever you... Potato, yeah. potato. Yeah, yeah. He was looking at me going, he looks like a bit of a Tez. And um, they, they were saying, like, well, uh, there's no way that there could be um, a unified plan, or well, one of my brothers uh, said that, a unified plan from the Soviet times because the Soviet Union has fell, fallen. And I was like, well... Um, a maybe you could find that there are some actors who are still still there and still interested. And B, I said to him, it could be like a sci-fi scenario. You're in a war. It's an ideological war. You release a virus that's supposed to come on in a timer. The war ends, and you're no longer in that war with these people. And then 50 years later, it switches on, and the gas releases, and everybody gets infected. And you're like, oh god, I guess it's a good horror show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good thing now. So I don't know. I don't know why it's happened, or if it's happened. I mean, maybe, maybe it's nothing to do with the Soviets. It is strange if you look at the the video that will uh, to get will analyze on the communist infiltration of America. That was a um, uh, like a public health uh, educational film made in the sixties, and Besmanov. And if you look at how those two, I mean, everything that we're seeing now is a hundred percent predicted to a nuance and to a nicety for a communist takeover and you know i'll present the case and then people can make their own minds up about it but it is it is remarkable like if it's a coincidence it's a hell of a coincidence oh man it's too fucking strange like the the specifics of where the culture is right now is it it's, feels it's very not missing like, any steps is it we've yeah, not missed it's, a step it's not missing a step and the situation that we're in is actually technically really unnatural yeah. Is this how humanity just naturally progresses in the way that it, in the way that it is right now, or I, I, society at least? Yeah, I mean, I think I think actually that's you know if we were doing a psycho a psychology experiment, that question that you've just asked, um, you have to ask that that you need that control so that because. Um, without the control of the repetition of exactly the same circumstances, there's really no way of knowing. So we may find in a thousand years time that every society that hits a certain peak where everybody is fed, everybody's educated, it's never been better. I mean, right now, for most people, in the, in the not everybody, some people suffer, but for most people, it's never been better. Maybe this is what happens. Maybe we just degenerate into petty squabbles well, over little bits uh... of intellectual space. Yeah, that's that uh, rat experiment. Uh, you know mm -hmm. about that, right? Mm -hmm. Rat city, yeah. Yeah, you throw a bunch of rats in a, in their own little city and give them all the resources, and then they just end up killing each other. So, and sodomizing the corpses. and Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, it's hard to determine whether this is like a natural occurrence at the, what do you call, like the surplus of resources and wealth of a society? I, I can't I can't say without using radical leftist language. <laughs> it's it's um uh oh there's another word for this. Well it there's another word which I remember it basically means late stage capitalism. Yeah. So yeah. if if we're in late stage capitalism maybe this maybe this is the way it goes. But I don't believe that. I think the flavor of this is is the flavor of this is actually quite old fashioned. Think about how regressive it is. We're doing segregation again, like right. in the 60s. Yes. That's that's not a coincidence. That That's kind of, because, you know, what I'm asking you is, is this a natural occurrence for a pattern uh, for society to do this? And you said, well, if there is another scenario that 
allows us to compare for replication. Yeah. Every post-communist country, you'll you'll ask them what happened before the, the regime took over. Well, that's yeah. actually the closest scenario. That's the yes. closest scenario, an actual post-communist society. Yes. Yeah. There's there's um there's the trying to well strictly Marxist communism should only be dividing two classes of people, the bourgeoisie and the lumpen proletariat. There isn't anybody else. But we can't really do that now because the drivers of this are mainly petty bourgeoisie. I they're mainly middle class people. And so they're not they're in no position to really be saying kill the bourgeoisie because they'd be like, Oh, I won't get my grant, I won't get my inheritance if we kill so they're dividing by a um different forms but to have people divided is it doesn't matter whether you're a communist a fascist or, or whateverist if you want to weaken a country you want internal conflict because a house divided will surely fall and what better way to weaken a country than to indoctrinate a society a society and community of hypersensitive middle-class youth yeah which is it's one of the really interesting things about about the book the coddling of the american mind is he does go into the commercialization of universities he talks specifically about american universities but it's the same thing i'm sure it's the same thing in the uk i'm sure it's the same thing in canada uh we we discussed this didn't we about um what's the university where they had the terrible thing with brett uh weinstein evergreen evergreen uh the reason why they were acting like the owners of a five-star resort fawning over very expensive customers is because they are essentially the owners of exactly. a five-star resort yeah. fawning hey. over very expensive customers. Sure. The students are the highest paying customers. Yeah. And if they want to continuously take grants from Coca-Cola and whatever, they have to keep those students happy as well. It's, it's That's the downside of running a business in educated infused facility you know it's yeah. like you have to and especially in the in the culture of customer service first our customers are always right type of thing and literally actually that's this is exactly the scenario if you were to take the customers always right to the most extreme and dangerous extent it's business it's strictly business i mean i don't know if you caught it in the book where he was talking about the university that had an $80 million stream built that people could float around the university campus on. Did you, did you catch that? The what? Is it, so this university has so much money that they built, they spent $80 million. It's like a fairground or a water slide park. They built a stream in the middle of the university. So at any point, if you're feeling hot, you could get your, your, your swimwear on and you can float around the campus grounds. Okay. Like well, a luxury resort in the Dominican Where do I sign Republic. up? Yeah. I want to go. <laughs> Seriously. I was like, hey, if I go and do a master's in psychology at one of these universities, I could see my system more. It would actually, I'd get special grants to go mm. into the country, even if there's a pandemic. Yeah, well, coincidentally enough, that's also what these tech startups like Google started too. Actually, it's funny. There's a channel on YouTube that talks about all these upcoming tech startups that just like try to play the Google hand by putting fucking kiddie pools and slides in their offices because right. that's the competing edge at working all the other tech startups. It's like, well, how many more infantile toys can we put in the office to get more yeah. safety um, middle-class kids in? How, how dumb can we make this? Well, one of the universities, it might have even been the one with the $80 million 
um, you know, water stream ride, was actually saying, they said they made a statement, the president of the university made a statement like, we want to satisfy all your needs. You should never need to leave the campus. And I was like, maybe somebody in the comments can tell me, I'm sure in one of my business courses, I was told that that was Disney's vision. If you go to Disneyland, we do everything for you. You never need to leave. You want alcohol, you want food, you want rides, you want everything. And the whole, I mean, that's that's a business. Once you have the customer on site, don't let them leave. Give them whatever they want. Keep them spending. Just keep them spending, spending, spending the whole time. So um, that obviously, if it's radically commercialized to the point where universities are basically like, you know, Disneyland camps for students who have wealthy parents, of course things are going to go awry because who's teaching them and what's their objective? You know what happens when you give a kid everything that he wants, including Gucci bags and whatever the hell else? Oh, they push and bully their parents to do everything for them, no matter how wrong they are. I thought you were going to say they become really decent, boundaried, upstanding, and responsible individuals who contribute to the community and the world, the world at large. Oh, wait, you're right. That's actually, they, they have all the answers. If you they spoil have. children all the way and give them everything that they want, they will actually end up really good people with their moral values aligned to a point that even the Pope couldn't reach. The Pope's probably not a great example. <laughs> oh, <oops. laughs> no, I think, I think I think there's 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 something to that, which is like we have to look at the effect of the universities. We have to look at I I, I I you know in the comments on the video when it was running live, like people were saying, I think cancel culture has always been here for sure. Radical leftism has always been here for everybody who's watching this. It was there before all of us were alive. But we didn't used to listen to it. It wasn't normal. I know, I know for sure because at university I was held in court by a bunch of blue-haired um, SJW uh, types for setting up a Muay Thai uh, society. And they were going crazy talking to me about toxic masculinity and bringing violence on campus. And I was like, hang on a second. Wait, what? That in the studio? Are you yes, serious? I am deadly serious. This went on for <laughs> fucking months. Eventually... Oh. Seriously, eventually a kid whose dad ran the university overheard me talking about this in the computer room and it was fixed for me, but they did this for months. We, when, they, when they held court, they called me in and I was like a, a tribunal of eight um, women and the, and the woman, uh, eight uh, students, young students, and the maybe she was 41, 42-year-old woman who ran the student guild and they held, they held a trial for me bringing toxic masculinity and violence onto the campus with a Muay Thai club. We already had judo, we already had karate, we already had jitsu, which is a martial arts style that was actually developed by the Nazis in Germany, but never mind. Aside from that, in the student guild, there was a budget assigned to damages every month caused by the rugby club and the hockey club. So if you're in the rugby club, you're allowed to fight and smash the furniture in the guild and the guild already had money put to one side for you doing that. But I'm the one who's bringing toxic masculinity and violence to the guild. I'm like, you guys are fucking insane. Well, we know why that. You know why? Right. We know why. We you know why. Have with your haircut 
teaching another culture's martial arts, man. In Can't fact, you can't that. even you can't even practice it. What are you doing? It's uh, it's basically neo-colonialism, as far as as yeah. far as Oprah's concerned. Yeah, you yeah. know it's crazy. Um, like I'm looking at martial arts, and it's the only so far the only type of a loose moral philosophy or a, a line of spirituality that right now currently resonates out of any other one. Right. And a big reason of that is because not all it's super practical for one thing. It's super grounded. Like you can't which, just which woo, um none of them. I don't know. Like just 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 the overall concepts in general oh. of, of applying physical discipline in addition to having a philosophy on how to navigate that space you sure. know what i mean sure. and um you can't like you can't woo woo your way out of muay thai you can't woo your way out of shaolin boxing like you know what i mean and there there's a there's a duality between for example if you look at these shaolin monks right they're they're usually in a temple obviously and they're on a mountain and it's super peaceful zen has an appreciation for the nature and whatever else but they also trained to be fucking badass like they they literally are so fucking disciplined and they're working on you know conditioning their shins and whatever the hell else at the same time and it seems so far with the current state of everything that path not necessarily shaving your head and going like extreme that way just makes a lot more sense yeah yeah there's that i think we we might we may see like um a new trend, a new response that goes in that direction where um, people seek, they get sick of what this is because it breeds hyperfragility and it really does make you mentally ill. If you tune into everything that's wrong and everything that hurts you and everything that upsets you, it doesn't decrease it, it increases it. Then all of a sudden you're constantly like, oh, I don't feel 100% safe 100% of the time. I must be super anxious. I just read the research on this. Once you've uh, internalized that as your image of who you are, it creates a loop. And then you are anxious because yeah. you're saying you're anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that brings up another point. The, the idea behind a lot of martial arts is, first of all, you shouldn't be able to use it. The whole point of learning it so you never have to use it. But it also breeds actual strength, not only physical, but actual inner strength. And it promotes a form of stoicism that kind of detaches you from being emotionally hysterical to get your fucking way. It's moving like water. You know, there's something that's happening in your environment. Instead of you complaining to get your way, you figure out a way to navigate it in your own inner strength. Bruce Lee actually has a quote. I think it's in the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, um, his, his sort of magnum opus, um, that directly rebuffs SJW woke mindset which is is that if you have a choice between altering the environment and altering yourself to adapt to the environment, your responsibility is to alter yourself to adapt to the environment. Didn't you know, he just it, say straight up, like, you're a fool if you think a fool tries, to, tries to adapt to the environment? Yeah, yeah he, he straight up was like, you have to be a fool to get your environment to adapt to you. Type <laughs> of well, and this is, this is the thing that I would want to say with love and with um, more than empathy, warm compassion to people who think that woke is the way to go. 
I understand the best of your intentions. I really do. But there's two things that you must learn as adults and as humans. We'll never make the world completely safe. Not in this iteration of humanity. We would need to evolve in a million years' time. And you'll never eradicate evil. You won't. So when you put in rules and regulations, the only people who will adhere to it are the good people who adhere to rules and regulations. The psychopaths and the narcissists laugh at your rules and regulations. They love them. They think they're wonderful because it keeps all the other bombs out of the way. Yeah, but that's exactly. If you're enforcing a bunch of rules and shaming people for not being anti-racist, who are the ones listening and who are the ones not? Fucking think. The people, <laughs> the people that don't want to listen to you won't listen to you anyways. And yeah. you are literally shaming the most average of the kindest of the most non-problematic people. Most likely, the people you hurt the most, and Jonathan Haidt uh, makes this point in The Coddling of the American Mind, it's an ideology that, that kills its allies. They take yeah. their allies out, before, more of their allies than their enemies. That's not an excellent military strategy long term. <laughs> so which white person is going to get hurt by anti-white woke sentiment? Me or an actual white supremacist? An actual white, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even get to an actual white supremacist's ears. He's not on your forum. He's not on your YouTube channel. You haven't got his number. You can't call him Just, up. Just imagine, imagine just a homie with a hood, just fucking sitting there with the fucking third Reich flag behind him. And he just hears the fucking blue haired Karen going like, stop, you're being massage racist. I'm sorry. And then just, just like, that's it. You know, what be like, like, you know what? You're right. You have made me see the light and I will stop now. Dude, <laughs> like a great example of someone not doing that is that guy, Daryl Davis, you know, you yes. know, him? yeah. I mean, very that's brave. Very, I mean, very fucking hell. Fucking hell. It's just, I can't believe that no one is really mentioning his name. Actually, he's attacked by the whole woke thing too. But is he what for? Um, for... I don't even know. They they found a reason, like confiding with, <laughs> confiding with the KKK or whatever. Anyways, if you guys right. don't know, if there, if woke wasn't corrupted, he would be the wokest of the woke. He's right. like almost a modern day Jesus. Like this dude basically pulled off a miracle. He's actually woke. Yeah, legitimately. He's, that's that's what wrote. That's what woke is. There's a this, guy has the courage of his convictions. He's actually a social activist. He's yeah. actually an SJW. But he's in the tradition of of, of the greats. He's not this, just online okay, posting so passive-aggressive memes. This dude grew up in the one of the most racist times in, in America, I think. Or maybe a little past that. I don't know which uh, decade. But probably a little past the worst because he's not he's not that. Yeah, it was like, yeah right. Like a little like hippie, post-hippie-ish era, right? Black guy. So. Yeah. Black guy basically infiltrates the KKK meets and calls up leaders of the KKK, persists into having dinner with them, to have coffee with them, to have conversations with the CEO of racism and actually deconverted or converted, what, like it was like 70 to 100, like how many, it was a, some crazy amount. 
yeah, a, a good number and became friends with them and took pictures with them shaking hands, which I find really, really strange because what I know of that organization is uh, if you if you leave and you're, there's pictures of you uh, shaking hands with a black guy who caused you to leave, you're really asking for trouble. Like you would have yeah. to move house after that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of these people ended up sacrificing their whole identity. The, the racists, uh, they they gave they would. Uh, um, Daryl Davis actually collected a lot of the KKK merch, like the the hoods and stuff of all the people that he converted out of racism or whatever. So if, I, so if you walked into his house and you didn't know who it was, you'd be like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, you you'd go to this black dude's house with a bunch of KKK hoods on it, and it's like, whoa. But yo, man, like that's that's so fucking that's a true hero like that's mm. a dude that mm. really made a difference man you mm. know and it must um i mean when we talk empathy i think like you have fake woke real woke and you have fake empathy and real empathy i i i don't know that i would be able to achieve the levels of empathy where i could sit opposite somebody who loathes me and my family and everybody yeah. i know and then just sit there and make friends with them and decondition them. Remember when uh, I, I keep saying every stream that we're the most weaseliest, wormish revolution ever on mm. any side. And to put it in perspective, inner strength or strength nowadays is not just having the biggest pecs in the game, bench pressing, whatever the fuck. Think about this to compare your inner strength with. Sitting across a person who if you're a woman like fucking loads woman or if you're asian like me that just fucking hates asian people and uses the worst slurs and has a history of lynching whatever you're born with and you have and you gaining the patience to sit in front of this dude for hours but not only for hours over a span of years and paying for the meals and the coffee and the and the think about how much fucking persistence and determination and just inner strength in, in general to overlook all of those things to try to empathize with somebody in, in yeah. that from that background that's that's empathy that that to me is empathy yeah. I, I i think um i was thinking about this uh uh i was listening to something jordan peterson and he was he was railing against uh socialism and that and i was like you know i have way more patience for socialism than this than he does um, and I was thinking, but why, why do I only accept it in certain contexts? And I think what it is, is that in certain contexts, I don't believe the people who are promoting it. So when pe some people say I'm for empathy, I'm just like, I don't, I don't believe you. I've, I see nothing that indicates that you actually are. I think you're, <laughs> I think you're, it's, um, it's little more than a signal. I wouldn't even say a virtue signal. Sometimes people just like signaling that. And it's the same thing with like extreme left-wing ideology. It's not that I don't understand it and don't have sympathy for it. It's that very often, and I, you've seen me on TikTok, I've tried to engage with, with young people on TikTok and be like, talk to me, like, what, what do you believe to be true? They just won't do it. They will not debate. They will not have a conversation. And I think it's largely because they can't, because they don't really know what they're saying. And I believe that to be true about a vast majority of the woke movement. Most people do couldn't and don't understand these complicated, um, you know, social constructionist, Marxist, 
postmodern ideas. I mean, it's 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 brain numbingly hard literature to actually read. Yeah. I just think they're copying what they think are the yes, the exactly. Fizz. It's the fizz at the top. Exactly, it's a fad. It's a it's yeah, just it's another fad. trend. Two things before I forget. One of them is the word insensitivity. Second one is trends in emo. Just just remember that just in case if I forget. Okay. 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 So so the first thing I wanted to bring this up before the stream. Uh, all right, I thought about this before the stream, and I was like, hypersensitivity and oversensitivity. Yes, they are, but they're the most insensitive people. Yes. So it's like, is insensitivity or hypersensitivity the right word? Because these people have no sensitivity at all most of the time, well, especially when they go and communicate with whoever they don't like. What do you call that, Pierre? If I'm hypersensitive to my needs and zero sensitive to your needs, we have a word for that. Like, yeah, that was your life work. That's my online reputation at this point is is narcissism. It's pure. It's pure narcissism. Somebody said to me before it went live, they're like, "We need to listen to people's needs and feelings," and I'm like, "Yeah, but whose? And who chooses? If you have a need and a feeling, and you go, I need to not be oppressed.'" by facts and science and research. And I feel threatened when you oppress me with facts. And I, I counteract and say, well, I need reason debate and I need boundaries. And I feel threatened when we don't have that. Well, we both have needs and feelings. Why are yours the only ones that fucking can? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, who's, who's gonna choose? Well, they don't, they don't give a fuck about anybody's feelings that disagree with them or ended up saying the L word, whatever the fuck the L word when they were nine years old. You know, there's no sensitivity to any anything that they don't like at all. But what's implicit there and that makes it intellectually dishonest and disingenuous is the person who gets to have their needs and feelings put forward is the person who's winning the oppression Olympics. And that's when it gets very very dark very ugly very quickly yeah yeah exactly the second part emo uh, trends. trans and emo no no trends no oh, trends i was like yeah, damn yeah. he's really going for it no we, we, ain't touching we, that we ain't touching that subject no i'm talking about <laughs> trends like trends. some some kid at school shows up with the red snapback and then the whole class wears a red snapback that's normal youth culture, right? And we've mentioned this a few times before. And that's the fact that before you had subcultures and trends with the youth, the kids nowadays, I can say that because I'm reaching 30 now, that, uh, you know, they either listen to Jimi Hendrix, The Doors, and the fucking in the hippie movement. Then you had the 90s, you had the grunge and Nirvana and 80s with Prince, Bowie, whatever. And then you had emo, which is probably the last bash. Uh, last bastion of a real cultural subcultural movement and then now instead of those things it's complete political and social upheaval that's the flavor of this generation and that's what makes it really different from a lot of the stuff in the past one exception maybe the hippie thing you know that that was a pretty extreme political social thing but yes. they were also at least risking themselves and allowing themselves to live a life that was unorthodox, where now it's like the complete safety, the safetyism approach to their cultural movement and uh, anti-race massages or whatever. The hippie movement was authentically dangerous to the status quo. 
this plays right into the hands of the status quo, which is why I don't believe it. I think that's my real problem with it. I'm not, you know, so people are like, oh, so you're not for anti-racism, so you're for racism. I'm like, no. <laughs> so you're not for anti-fascism, so you're for fascism. I'm like, nobody's for fascism. That's like saying you're for drowning kittens, you lunatic. Nobody's for fascism. But I don't, I don't believe it. I don't think it's authentic. The hippie movement, I think, was spontaneous, authentic, really challenged the status quo because it had these different... Um, you had people who were refusing to go to war. They were dodging the draft. They were using psychedelics. They were woke as to what the government agencies and capitalist culture was doing. And it, it, it sort of intersected with the civil rights movement. So you had tons of, of hippies would have been right there on the civil rights movement for you know, equal rights uh, uh, for everybody. And I think it was a real threat. This doesn't, if, if Coke is sponsoring you, you're not a fucking threat. I don't yeah, see I how these kids can't see that. If the CIA... <laughs> oh my God. Go on. No, that's it. I don't have to say anything more than that. Yeah. That's a phrase now. If the CIA dot dot dot, you're not you're not the rebels you think you are, kids. You're not the vanguard of the new revolution. You really aren't. You are Stalin's useful idiots. And if you don't know what that phrase means, never call yourself a communist ever again. You can't afford to be so historically fucking ignorant and espouse socialism and communism. It's not okay. Bro, like it, I maybe even a year ago, two years, especially, I, w I wouldn't think that this is, I would think that maybe what we're talking about is an overreaction, you know, just kids being kids, new trendy, new thing, you know, they have good intentions, you know, racism sucks. I fucking agree, man, you know, but the way that it's progressed in, in the last however amount of time it it's when the cia dot 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 and how far the culture has devolved and the careers lost including mine out of my own right mm -hmm. you know it's at a point where this hypersensitive division is permeating just everyday casual life why am i seeing 11 year olds with k-pop profile pictures with a political slogan in their bio go fucking play go to go to, go you even with a mask put a mask on and ride down a slide you know like what's going on here why are nine-year-olds a part of this and it's like oh we're good at having the kids be involved politically well how do you guys feel about that now yeah you know it's it's not supposed to be like this, man. No, it's not. And it, it, it really, it's so cruel. It's so cruel to the kids. Like, this should, it's, I would keep kids away from porn and politics. I would see them as equally corrupting. It's just not, it's not appropriate. It's not appropriate and it's not going to do them any good. There's no way that they can understand the energies that are being moved around there. These are adult energies. They're not, you know, and Jesus, it's, it's, it's a real mess. This is what I wanted to start with in the beginning is like, actually, we have enough, enough empathy in the system. We have plenty of empathy. We need better judgment, better faith, and more boundaries, not less. 
And the thing that people need to see with this is it's a boundary dissolving movement. That's why you have kids politicized because even they're not being protected from it. It's, it goes out from left to right, up, down, across ethnic, cultural, economic boundaries. It's in everything now. You can't just go and buy a sandwich without some sort of political statement one way or the other because the business has to tell you that they're lgbtq friendly or women exactly. led or whatever it is i mean there is a gender neutral barbershop down the street from where i live and it's like yeah. i don't want i'm going to say too much but it, just to prove a point this this whole mentality is every is everywhere and some of it the core concepts sure definitely i don't want to be racist i don't like racism i hope i'm not but you know with these new rules like well actually you do deep down somewhere you have to open your rib cage and you'll find the racism gene like <laughs> we this is slaboy zizek we don't want to live in a world where we have to declare that rape is bad and you can you can exchange rape for murder racism sexism you, you we mustn't ha we mustn't allow ourselves to be coerced into having to announce that we're not racist it should be understood and if anybody demands that you declare it you can assume they're acting in bad faith it's not okay i would never demand that somebody say to me that they're not a pedophile that's insulting i can only continue this conversation with you if you tell me you don't like you know fiddling with kids no that's humiliating that's a power play we should never have to say that we're not racist it should be a given it's it's yeah. it's it's too much of a of a breach of trust at that point, I think. Sure. And and like I was trying to explore some Rogan past podcasts on that Spotify thing, and there was oh no, I found a clip of uh this dude who owned a butcher shop like in the hipster location, like some cyclists rolled by one day and just gave a look. And then next week, they had protesters in front of his butcher shop. And this went on for like weeks of just constant protests outside of his own fucking business. And then to a point where he just decided to just butcher a deer in front of the window because he was so fucking fed up with these people. But the, the deer was already dead, but he was just skinning it. So, um, but anyways, the point is, is that this, this thing and, and is everywhere and especially on social media and my smart ass decided to base my entire identity and business on social media and now it's become in a terrible terrible house of sand and house of cards to be in like the other day um there's that there's that billy eilish uh chick she's a great musician i love what she does she posted an image of her on the Vogue magazine and it's like a bit more like sensual. She used to wear baggy clothes and now she's like wearing more feminine clothing. And I was like, oh, it's cool. Yeah. And it had like it, her photos, her her five photos on that magazine were the most liked on in, in Instagram history. Like really? 30, million, 30 million likes on a photo. Like it's fucking yeah, like it's some, some crazy. And then I'm like looking through the stories. There's an interview. And then... I hear the words empowerment. <laughs> they just they just think the snapshot. <laughs> like this. <laughs> you know, and what my point is is here. You just be we, careful now. No, I know. 
<laughs> I don't get. I don't give a fuck. I, you could say Listen, whatever you want. I don't. I, don't I, mean, I fucking quit. Were you gonna cancel okay. me if I already okay. quit? Don't, you don't know? be careful. Fuck it. <laughs> what I'm. Everything has to be a movement. Everything has to be a political <laughs> thing. Everything has to be a social thing. Like. Give me the fucking music because you're talented and it's amazing and you're a great person. You know, it's like every everything has to be along the lines of that now. So if you're feeling cute and a good Vogue photographer takes some nice pictures of you and some nice lingerie and you want to post it on social media, you can do that. And shouldn't you shouldn't feel obliged to say that you're doing it because it's empowering, right? Everything has to have some woo-woo justification. Look at my tits because I'm a feminist. How about you just want to show your tits? Why does that? Why do you have to claim? <laughs> what? Nobody's attacking you for like, it. Like, why hey. can I make a video without it being stop Asian hate? You know? <laughs> like, because everything is identity politics and that's the avatar you are. So just do your job. And, and then I, I see this like... Uh, oh, fuck, I'm not going to mention who, but I saw a video that came out and it was like, this person is actually using their platform responsibly. Like this person's, uh, this person is back and they're actually doing their, they're using their platform reasonably or like they're doing, you're using their platform in a right way. You know, <laughs> what right way to use a platform? Yeah. It's your platform. Do whatever the fuck you want. Like, well, we're, we're well beyond that. <laughs> we have to wake up every day and be like, what's the rules today? I forgot what the rules are. Dude, I, I'm like, but you know, I, we talked about this on Telegram really briefly. We saved it for the thing. It's just like looking at YouTube and not finding one decent video now. It's, it's all garbage, you know, and going on Instagram and it's also all garbage. And I think it's a combination of a few things. One is that so many of us are just fucking fatigued and just sick of bullshit, basically. Sick of bullshit content. Second of all, a lot of these things are just bought and sold now where YouTube just pushes out corporate whitewashed content. I don't mean whitewashed in a racial way. That's how far this woke shit. I can't even say fucking that without being a racial thing. It's just uh, sanitized. And then number three, I was thinking today, what if this is the result of all of the cancelizations and the shutting upping? You know, a lot of people and the shutting upping. A lot of yeah, a lot of people aren't making videos and music and film and shit anymore because it's like, why even fucking bother if it's just gonna get me in trouble? YouTube has definitely got more boring. It's definitely less engaging now, and um, yeah, we discussed that on Telegram. I, let me know in the comments, guys. When you open YouTube now, are you watching what's there? Because just 18 months ago, I, I love YouTube. I've been on YouTube since the beginning. I didn't start with Spartan Life Coach. I started with the self-defense channel in 2006, like six months or 12 months from its inception. I like YouTube and I use it a lot. 18 months ago, I open YouTube. I open the app and on the home screen, there's going to be five videos. The first top videos that they give me, the first five, I'm definitely watching three. Now I'm scrolling and I'm like, yeah. I don't want to watch any of this shit. And I think it's a combination. I as a consumer am fatigued. The the content makers are fatigued and careful. And um 
Yeah, the whitewash effect. Everything is slightly caught. It's like whitewashed, sanitized. There's no funk. There's no flavor. There's no spice. There's no, it's, everything is just bleh. It's like trying to chew up turkey breast with no sauce. It's so fucking boring. And I watch like Brett and Heather Weinstein. They're great. Both of them. Fantastic. But what do they have to do in order to do a podcast? They sit there, they look at each other and they say, they talk like this at this pace so that they can measure every single fucking word they say as though they're writing a dissertation in real time so that they make no errors. And I'm like, fuck, we're a long way away from just jumping online and spouting some shit out and being funny and then going home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they they talk as if they are a research paper. Mm -hmm. And even Rogan, even Rogan now, he's, he's so boring. And he fucking slipped up the other day, even without trying to. He was still watching his words. Did you know what happened? No. He basically said healthy 20-year-olds probably don't need to take the vaccine. And then Fauci himself, and I think I think Biden, but the actual Fauci. The Lord, him, like you wrong boy, like we're gonna oh, make you. And he apologized, and like, and you know, like Rogan sanitized everything, sanitized a lot of people, fucking quit, including me, or just post way less. The only people that survive are just the propaganda pushers. People want to hear propaganda as a source of content. Let me hear propaganda, otherwise, your art is degenerate. We mm. should put you in a gallery, like you know, who in the 1940s, you know, your art doesn't belong in normal galleries. We're going to showcase you as a degenerate. It's a real shame. We need more degeneracy and we need more risk. We need to get back to risk. This is so boring. And it's, it's not, who wants this? I mean, I know that there are, I think, I think what we have is we have, there is a trend, there is a big movement, but they're still a minority. They're just too vocal. And I think Douglas Murray was right. And I'm ashamed that I waited so long and was so cowardly to speak up. It's the silent majority. It's not an epidemic of narcissism as much as it's an epidemic of codependency. The nice, reasonable people aren't going to jump up and down and scream and be like, make it stop now. Or bleh. You know, they just go, oh, okay, I guess that's what we're dealing with. Stop being so fucking nice. Say something. The, the problem is, is that this cancer, this rot it is, is grown in the perfect soil, which is social media. And the way that the algorithms work on social media is bred off of controversy and the loudest psychopath. Mm -hmm. Therefore, in order to vocally denounce a lot of these things, you have to be a vocal, vocal psychopath in a way mm -hmm. to a certain degree. And that's the biggest disadvantage of this whole situation. And I don't know if that's actually a, you're, anyone's able to defeat that because you have to be a raging lunatic in order to make a statement in, in this atmosphere here. Yes, you do, um, unfortunately. And, and statistically and rationally and logically, I think it was a poem by, uh, was it Yeats? Yeats, uh, where he said, and other, other poets had said it as well, is that the most reasonable and the best amongst us lack conviction. And so the ones who are the least reasonable, they have the most conviction. And so they scream the loudest to make your point, which is, yeah, it's a, it's a land for screaming psychopaths. But we, 
we don't have to be screaming psychopaths. We just released a video right there about about what well, there's nothing yeah. screeching in that. It's a fairly reasonable sure. uh, questioning, and I think that we can have that. And I think that that's the route to victory. That's how we win. Is you just keep putting out content that satirizes the idiocy and that highlight or interview or like podcasts like this where we just highlight. Yes, you think it's good and you think you're being kind, but you can't see how cruel you're being. You're making the world a worse place. Literally, it's a regressive ideology that will herald a new dark age unless we stop it. We must do something. We have to do something. Sure. But we don't. We. You're right, though. It's like only the real lunatics want to jump up and down in public and scream and bark and all the rest yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, the way I look at it is like, for example, the... Uh, I, I'm not normal or level-headed, rational people, whatever. They're the ones drafting and constructing the log house on the beach or whatever. Right. Like they're the ones that are really like they don't scream. They just very you know draft up the thing very calculatively, and then everybody kind of comes together to place a log on a thing, pulls the rope, and it takes a long time, but it's quiet sometimes and whatever. This whole fucking thing, the social media and the wave is just. Just comes right in, and you, you could be three weeks into your construction, but all it takes is that emotional impulse of water. I mean, that's what water symbolizes, right? Mm -hmm. The the emotional impulse of the water is so forceful that it's 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 like I, unless I guess you're right. The way that to combat that is to draft a better log house that can withstand the thing which takes a bit longer i guess but um i think that's kind of what we're up against for sure and if 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 we can motivate people i think like one of, so in the face of like this poisonous ideology and in the face of how that intersected with the the crisis of the last year or so and safetyism and massive risk aversion and obedience as a virtue and mindlessness as a virtue. If we look at that and we go, okay, how, how do we um, eventually combat that? There's, there's the conviction and there's the level of conviction and then it's a numbers game. So if you can convince enough people that it's worth doing, you break them out of this learned helplessness. Yeah. And I think I've been guilty of it, of just going, there's, there's no other thing that can be done here. There's nothing else that can be done but that's not true. We just haven't, we haven't tried. And if you try and get mashed in the process, my attitude now is I could get mashed. Okay. I've made my peace with that. I could get mashed. Well, right. that, that's, that's why I think that you're the perfect person to vote, be vocal about the situation because right. you are willing to. And I think the thing that we have to consider, and I'm kind of in this boat too, is that I tried, but I'm up against this wave. And at this point, I just don't want to be near the beach anymore. And a lot That's, of these people just don't want to be near the beach, you know. Yeah, but you really don't accept it. Yeah, you're you're um you're in a different situation to me. You're actually talking to the woke and trying to convince them not to be. I've given up on that. There's that that, that I'm not is not a game I'm gonna play. I'm speaking to the silent majority and saying speak up. None yeah. of you really yeah. want this. It's not going away. Come on, we, we can all do more. we can all do a little bit more. Don't let your kids go through educational go go through educational institutions that are teaching them degenerative, regressive, dark age ideas. Push back, try because we don't know what we could do if we try because we've not tried yet. 
so we need to start with that as a philosophical scientific stance like we actually don't know we think the enemy is huge and overwhelming and um, there's people in the comments here saying they've already won no they haven't because here we are we're talking about it if we were in a totalitarian author author authoritarian state this conversation would be illegal it isn't yet so don't catastrophize we're still talking we're still here and well, I think it. I think it can be overthrown, but it can't be overthrown by just sitting back and, and waiting. We we must all push back. Not all in the same way. I don't expect people to do what I'm doing, but we can all push back in some small way. Well, that's why we need you, man. You need to instill that hope or drive. Like that's that's your responsibility now, man. You know, it's and instilling hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, man, it's uh. It's, it's fucking rough out there, dude. You know, it, it, it's practically unavoidable. And like, that's kind of why I'm just kind of binging fight videos or MMA or Muay Thai highlights and clips because there's, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing that remotely talks about any of this stuff. And it's so refreshing. It's just people beating each other up. But, but I mean, like, yeah. Well, you're, well, you're, you're staying in the realm where, um, there is no, there is theory, but it's constantly tested. And the conversation ends. I think I'm a better fighter okay. than you. And then you kick me in the head and I'm done. That's exactly what I told my therapist the other day. Uh -huh. I, I was trying to tell him, like, I don't know what to do right now, obviously. But I'll lead into this real quick. There is a long story short. There's this guy named Phoenix Jones, and he's based in Seattle. And he became a vigilante superhero. I shit you not. He was an old MMA fighter. He became, he, he got a $10,000 bulletproof superhero outfit. Started like fighting crime in Seattle. Like managed drunk people, would help the cops out here and there. Long story short, he lived long enough to become the villain and got caught dealing cocaine. But like. <laughs> well, if you're on the street at night, you may as well make that extra. <laughs> yeah. in, in the meantime, he actually collected a group of other superheroes and they would patrol the streets and shit. And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It was just a playful thought because it did spark something in me. Like, yeah. obviously, I'm not going to fucking come out as Red Blazer, the Flip Lord and fight junkies and shit. Yeah. But a part of me was like, oh, man, like there's something about that. That makes me feel alive again. And the idea of it makes me feel good. What yeah. is it exactly? It's the tangibility of the fight mm -hmm. and the, not obliteration, but the removal of obvious injustice that's, mm -hmm. that's happening there. Yeah. And the problem is now is that everything is so abstract on social media and like you're trying to fight this cloud and you don't know if it's working it just never ends you get these hate comments no matter how hard you're trying to be good it's but the idea of like there's the bad guy what pop 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 call the thing then boom you know it's done and say and this goes into the fight videos which i eventually segued into there's theory mm -hmm. there is the testing of theory and mm -hmm. there is a result mm -hmm. and that's it <laughs> yep yep it's on your record you can't appeal you can't be like well you know i just feel and my needs and my feelings nope nope ah, <laughs> bro like that 
And there's something that's so satiating, not actually punching someone in the face. But Well, otherwise, you could go into a fight and be like, I identify as a really well-trained fighter who trained hard for six months and had a good diet. I'm actually a slob who didn't. <laughs> You're going to get fucked up. <laughs> right? And that's the thing. There's no, you can't just claim that you are. Yeah. You got to fucking test that out. Yeah. Also, that in terms of tangibility, if it's MMA that you're watching, uh, you're watching people basically fight each other in their underwear. <laughs> like they're there, they're visible, and it's very, very primal. Whereas you're right, what we have online, we're disappearing into um, the abstract and the virtual, and it becomes um, becomes very frustrating and kind of. Um, well, it's a mental. It creates mental health dilemmas because there's yeah. nothing. Your your our brains are not evolved for this for yeah. this level of well, abstraction of an abstraction of an abstraction. That's kind of why we always put that warning out when you're dealing with the occult and symbolism. Mm -hmm. You go crazy because there's nothing tangible there. It, it's it's not, and that's 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 where you lose your grounding when your feet literally don't touch the floor. You're falling, right? Yeah. Ooh, I like that. But it's kind of a lot of the things that I'm getting into now which is I got into racing video games. God knows like where that came from, but really enjoy the sensations of drifting and swerving. There's no room for theoretical abstraction, fight videos, VR, boxing. Mm -hmm. the, the irony is I'm doing all of this through technology, but, right. um, but a lot of these things that I'm interested in now, it, I guess a part of me was just craving a, uh, a mode of action that didn't result in some non-answer yeah yeah i i think um to to put it in in somewhat blunt terms i think a lot of the people you know you, we could you, we talk ideology we talk left versus right and politics and psychology one of the things that i would love to know um of the people who are very steeped in woke culture is how much screen time are they getting oh yeah how much simple fucking i want to know what's your screen time because I think I suspect to use the Nietzsche, Nietzsche uh, uh, phrase, they're drinking from the system a lot. It's not based in reality. They're not. They're not. They're not waking up, looking out their front door, and seeing what they're talking about. They're in a sort of a hell world, um, and it's 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 perpetuated through through the online. They're in echo chambers of echo chambers of echo chambers. Again, I'm, I'm again my own social experiment. I was that person. I was binging social media content like hardcore, lost in the matrix. Like Neo forgot to unplug after a few years, you know. And I mean, I kind of became psych psychotic in my own way. You know, it's you're basing your delusion or your view of reality on complete virtual reality, which kind of works sort of but it doesn't when you step out the door yeah yeah it's um and, and i think that that breeds a kind of fragility and a hypersensitivity i don't want to give people more ways of understanding their own mental health and pathologizing more and psychologizing more but i do want to propose that there is a syndrome that's going around now especially with the lockdowns uh, i haven't got a better word for it than small world syndrome it's beyond agoraphobia. People have gotten too used to being inside and on their screens, and it's it's made them very, very sick. 
it's made them more socially anxious, more nervous, more paranoid, uh, more infested with uh, its uh, ideas of reference. So we start to think everything in the world is about us. The bus goes past you. You hear a bird singing. You, you're like, it's about me. These are messages for me. I think that's sort of a, a, a manifestation of small world syndrome. If the world shrinks too much, you kind of go a little crazy. There's a, I don't know if this is simulacra or something along the lines of it. Uh, it's, it's being in a symbolic virtual world where now because we're, like you said, locked in and, and just kind of brainwashing ourselves with symbolic images of a thing. Mm -hmm. When we go outside and we see a bus driving, that's not a bus anymore. It's we reference back to the virtual image of what we saw that happened on a bus months ago in London where this mm -hmm. dude got stabbed or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. just a bus. Which is the opposite of the end goal of CBT. And it's the opposite of the end goal of Buddhism. Just see reality as it is with as little story as you can. All of the woke ideology is story-based. It's stories on stories on stories. And it's actually the power is drawn through control of narratives. It's a, it's a narrative-obsessed ideology. And I would say that's what makes it intrinsically insane because we should be seeking to transcend narratives and to, to drop the story. Can you live without the quilt and the clothing and the armor of a narrative? If you can't, that's a you problem. That's not the world's problem. That's you have a mental health issue and it's on you to resolve it. Can you go out naked with no ideology and no story? Jordan Peterson covers this in one of his recent podcasts. Uh, it's, the, it's exactly what you said about narrative and story and the reason why this crazy woke thing has gained so much traction is that it's giving young people a story in a time where they are very powerless mm. a lot of the these kids come from a student loan debt no one gives a fuck you know like minimum wage whatever 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 this is a powerful the, the, story. the same way the, the same way that i did when i grew up but yeah, go on. Sorry. Sure, sure. But, you know, we had our own story somewhere, whatever that might be. This one is a prepackaged story where everyone is the hero, which they always want. They all want to be like me, too, with watching this Phoenix Jones shit. So this what he how he differentiates. I don't know if you agree with this, but it's an interesting thought. He, he differentiates ideology and religion in a way that ideology is a half quarter flushed out version of religion where it takes certain elements of religious narrative and packages it in a propagandistic way without some sort of the the other element that religion offers it's interesting i heard sam Va sam vaknin say that uh, something along the lines of ideology being the poor man's philosophy Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, poor man's similar. religion, poor man's philosophy. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I, I agree in principle. Jordan would have far more uh, faith in religion <laughs> than, than I would. I, I don't I don't think I Jordan is, uh, I think, what you call a reactionary in that he believes in the past. He believes there was a better time. And even though he is politically on the left, he is, I think, in certain aspects of his being conservative, 
in the classic sense. I yeah. don't believe there was a better time. I don't believe we should go backwards. I am a true true progressive in that sense. Well, the past is dead. Let's move forward. To, to push back a little bit, he did consistently say how good of a time it is now considering oh, the safety okay. and, and all that stuff so but I, I know what you mean like when he does reference the past it a bit he's but. he's he's very he's very good with that there's a couple of guests he's had on recently who are specifically talking about how good things are right now we have yep. this terrible tendency to catastrophize everything but, that, but that, see that's that's the problem yeah. the good does not allow for story yes and i think this is where the value of good real art and literature and film and music is supposed to fulfill that void or what used to be religion too i have a, i have a, a little horrible scouse cunt inside of me and sometimes okay, he, he, he pops up and he's really mean he's a mean little scouse fucker and he sees through all this and he says uh he says if if people had to admit how easy it was, they'd also have to admit that they're useless, lazy twats. Ooh, ooh. he's mean. I'll put him back now. Yeah. I, I do. I do think. I do think there's a clarity to that. I do oh, think there's a clarity yeah. to just saying. Yeah. The more that I'm absorbing what you said, it's true. Yeah. Because when you say we live in a great time and we have everything, yeah. I mean, how does it make you feel? You know, you just you makes you feel like. Well, I did 25 reps yesterday. It puts the burden back on you, exactly. So this is, a, this is an ideology that, that thrives on externalizing the locus of control. So if everything is awful, I can be a useless pothead just doing five wanks a day, maybe even back to back, I don't know. Did you see the mugshots that were going around of the Antifa protesters? No. What a fucking rogues gallery of losers, of absolute fucking degenerates! You should, you should. It's going around Instagram. I mean, these these are the people. These are the people who uh, apparently were were powering the uh, Antifa riots. In, oh, in wow. What oh a, wow! What they, a fucking they, spectacle! They all have glasses and look like they work for BuzzFeed. <laughs> these are yeah. all BuzzFeed employees for sure. So if if everything is great, so so those people and um, a lot of them, let's I can say this, I guess, because I'm white. They're white. If everything oh, shit, is, great, they're all white, dude. Yes, absolutely. So if everything is great, who are they? Who are they? They're a bunch of fucking bombs who can't get their shit together. I I know I sound like a conservative in the sixties saying hippies get a damn job, but. You know that's not that doesn't ex it doesn't excuse the fact that simply speaking, if the story is there's two potential stories here. Everything is awful. I have no choice. I'm a victim of oppression. You're a victim of oppression. I have to fucking overthrow the system. Or everything is actually pretty stable. It's okay. It's not perfect, but it's okay. Then who am I? Why am I like this? This is Adler's territory. We're in we're in Alfred Adler's territory here. We're building life lies. We're building false narratives to justify our own pitifulness because we're not facing, well, we, you know, it don't mean me and you. I mean, these people, we, let's be charitable, are not 
we're just not growing up. We're not facing up to our responsibilities and we're throwing temper tantrums like spoiled children. So there's a few things to what you said there. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> a few. I'm going to have some horrible comments under this one. Mate. It has it has as many things. You said as many things as how many hair colors I see in this mugshot uh, <laughs> compilation here. Um, that's the problem, though. That everything in is... color won't make your BPD go away. Sorry. Yeah. Everything. Oh, you're going to get some comments for that one. Yeah, anyway, okay, so... let's go all in. I don't care. I, I quit anyway. So, <laughs> what are you going to take away from me? You already took it away from me. So, but you know, this is the thing, right? They have no narrative. And, you know, the idea of the Buddhist approach isn't enough for a lot of people. You know, mm -hmm. just things are an illusion and every narrative is just bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I think to the average person, they need to operate with the narrative. This dude yeah. looks like one of those mirror filters that like... <laughs> the TikTok mirror filter? Bro, that's wild. Anyways, um, so so this is this is the thing, right? I'm kind of along the lines of Peterson and Jonathan Peugeot. No laughing, Richard. We're, we're mature intellectuals, remember? We have a message right now. Um, <laughs> um, I'm, just, I'm so sorry. I'm just reminded of Douglas Murray talking about Portland and what he saw there. And he was like, is this your future? A disgusting scene of degeneracy that smells of weed? <laughs> dude, he has, he has the greatest one-liners, dude. Like, his delivery and everything is just amazing. <laughs> so dry it's beautiful uh but this is the thing i i at this point i'm convinced that a majority of people even including myself we need a narrative we we need a story to operate on christianity does a good well good job i guess of delivering a narrative a lot of religions are that's what they're there for they give mm -hmm. a purpose they give the hero's journey they give a line of development they give struggle through the story they can you can adopt it in your own life type of a thing and i think that's how a lot of people naturally function they need a narrative and like what i was saying earlier about this like phoenix jones superhero thing that ironically happened in seattle too something you know sparked inside me but it's the same spark if i'm not aware or mature enough to handle where i could be mirror-faced antifa with five colors of hair right now you know and that's why i kind of understand this area a bit because a lot of my videos maybe kind of uh, circulated in the these circles or whatever mm -hmm. but um i think it's the same spark right looking for a narrative where you are purposeful and you're someone and i think that's the same spark where a lot of people end up joining the military in too you know well you you raised jordan peterson he he speaks frequently of 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 uh, the hero archetype and the desire to be a hero and there is of course there's there's the impetus for us to do that i i see it as i i take it a little bit differently i think people are trying to be who they are and it's fucking hard and the test is will you get knocked off your intent or will you stay true to your intent and it's really, really damn hard to be who you were born to be. What do you think they're uh, who these people are like? What do you mean by try to be who they are? 
So I think that we, it's a somewhat religious belief. I think we're all born with a potential and I think we're born with a purpose, but it's like forming a diamond. It's deep, 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 deep under layers of intergenerational trauma, mm. under the ego, under narcissism, under un integrated shadow, and you have to mine it to get it out. And um, for these people, uh, it's too hard. It's just, it's just too hard. What you're going through right now, your mental health issues right now are an effort to mine potential. They're an effort to find out, to get to who you actually are, to integrate the shadow. And then like the Phoenix, you'll burn that which you were and it'll be burned to the ground and you'll lose all the stuff and then you'll be heartbroken with what you've lost. And then you'll rise again as something fresh and new. And I think that that is, um, it, it's a desire to be a hero, but it's a desire, I think, more deeply to fulfill our true potential of, of who we are. Yeah. And, I mean, in a sense, that is a narrative, too. Would you, would you agree? Yes, absolutely. It's, it is a narrative. I, I'm not so idealistic that I think we can all live as pure Zen monks with no narrative. I think that we should, we should be a So it's a meta-narrative. Let's be aware that we're storytelling beings. We need a narrative to live with. Let's keep it sparse and spartan. Let's live with the right. thinnest, smallest story. So you don't show up naked, but your blanket is very thin and very, very small. <laughs> Learn to write a story. That's, I think that's the takeaway. Yeah. Like right now, it's just these half-flushed characters with missing chapters and forced one-liners that don't have any resemblance to a real person, which actually showcases exactly what movies would look like now. Exactly. And I think I, I, it, this is why I say it's, I would say it's a real problem because it gets into everything and it's an anti-meritocracy ideology. So what happens? Well, things become shit over time. They become archontic, that there's archontic level thinking that is less creative, it's sterile, it's machine-like, everything is formulaic, and it's just crap. It just becomes crapper and crapper. And I think we have to start calling people out for being shit at their jobs. Like, we're told at the Oscars or by the Academy Awards, these are good films. No, they're not. They're boring and Dude, weird. And did preaching. you know the Oscars just happened? Yeah. I, no one knew. Like, I didn't fucking know. And the views were 60% down on last year, and last year was their worst viewership ever. Bruh, and they made a Pinocchio film. Yeah, I saw that on Potent's Instagram. I was like, did they? Yeah, yeah, that's where I found it, on, on Potent's Instagram. I was like, when the fuck did they make a Pinocchio film? What the hell? Didn't see, but then I'm not watching TV, and I, I probably don't know because you wouldn't be in a place where the advertising would reach your eyes. Because it's I, all shite. <laughs> but, you know, I think there's actually something here. I think right. there's something to say about the shit quality of movies and, and whatever else coming out now and music. What it showcases is the disconnect from true, not religious, but true, truthful narrative yeah. of the most authenticity. Authenticity. Yeah. With we're trying to live pain and risk-free. Well, guess what, kids? Art comes from pain. Suck it the fuck up. Life is pain. Life is risk. Life is full of evil and horror. You can handle it. You'll be okay. We've been handling it for millennia. You can handle it. 
You have the equipment. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is that there's only maybe, I remember seeing a thing on TikTok, there's like only 30 really, there's only 30 story structures and anything you see just follows along the lines of this mostly. Yeah. And like the hero's journey is a great example. It's the same one in Harry Potter. It's the same one in the matrix, the same one in avatar or whatever else. And the thing is, is that if you even veer a little too far off one way, mm. it won't be that good. And it won't strike people as heavily. There's a reason why these ones are so internationally celebrated is because there's a deeper sense of how a narrative is supposed to follow through yes there, there are rules to writing stories and there's been books and books and books some of them brilliant on how to write and yeah there is only so many stories we can tell what pisses me off and i won't go off on my rant is that the people all, all of the stuff that is shit is never shit because the acting is bad or the effects are bad or the, the locations are bad we, we've we've mastered that We've mastered it. The, the filming, the audio, it's all great. It's all fine. It's always bad writing. It's all, And there's no excuse because there are manuals out there that have existed for 50, 60 years that tell you exactly what mistakes never to make and exactly what rules you must follow. And they still don't do it. Why? It's just arrogance. People now think that good writing is just subverting audience expectations. So, yeah. Let's latch onto that. The arrogance is the wrench lodged in the rotating clock gears mm -hmm. arrogance and the disconnect from our own spiritual human narrative whatever the fuck you want to call it our yeah. intuitive sense of what works yeah it shows in the culture we live in right now how far away from ourselves our true selves whatever the fuck that might be it really is mm. we can't write a good story anymore and that's not coincidence that everything is collapsing. Just because you hired th a bunch of people from Affirmative Action to star in your new whatever remake of yeah. that's been done four times and now it's yeah. a different lead from a different ethnicity and gender, that doesn't make a good story. And a lot no. of these movies, <laughs> a lot of these movies tank because they've, they've fallen so far away from what a true universal narrative is. I think you have fake people talking to fake people, making fake decisions about fake projects, and then they Dude, show I, it together and give each other fake awards. And there's no I, there's no human involvement anywhere to be seen. They're just a bunch of fucking archons. I lived in LA, and that's yeah. exactly what it is. Right. It's exactly what it is. A bunch of fake people making fake shit. Mm -hmm. And now it's exported around the world, and the, cover, the world's covered in feces. The the uh, the rule that I always use uh, creatively uh, as a starting point for any project is from the film uh, Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash biopic with Hurricane Phoenix. And Hurricane is uh, sorry, uh, Johnny Cash in the story is making money by doing other people's music. He's doing um, Baptist style rock and just releasing records that make him enough to get by on a monthly basis. And the producer says to him, "Would you fucking stop?" It's an apocryphal story. This never happened, but it, it should have done. He says, "What if I if you got hit by a car and you were lying on the side of the road, dying? What song would you sing? Your last song?" And then I think he does uh, "Folsom Prison Blues" or something like that. Every creative project should start with that: a state of vulnerability, urgency, and risk. This mm. is your last day on earth. You have one last thing that you want to say to the rest of humanity. 
tell that story. Leave the filler for other twats to do. You tell your last story. Yeah. It'll be a good one. Like Musashi said, uh, fight as if you're, you're dying, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I've yeah, been trying to get through the book of five rings is, is a little dry, but like I'm I'm trying real hard. But, if you uh, get like um you can get readers with notes, uh, they're probably I'm a better, better way to do it. Huh? I'm audio booking though, you know. So oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid not everything can go in through the ears, God my dear. <laughs> God damn, unless you try, you know. No, but uh <laughs> but uh, so so and and there's a thing about movies, and this can go for anything. If you notice, when you have a when you see a good movie or good film or good series, or even listen to a good song, the last thing you think about is the person's race. The last thing you think about is the character's background and gender and all of these things. The point of good art and film is to allow you to transcend the natural boundaries of our human existence. That's why it's so amazing to see Harry Potter like fucking casting spells and fighting whatever the hell. You don't think about Harry Potter as an English white boy. Like if that's what you get from it, then that shows how fucking connected you are to yourself. Like what kind of depth do you contain if you watch these like critically acclaimed things and all you think about is, oh, the, the skin color is weird. <laughs> I, I, re I really don't know because I just think it's racist. I, I find that to be racist. If you're focused on the the amount of melanin in the character's skin, like you say, uh, I was listening to like rock today and uh, Muddy Waters came on, which is, I don't know if you know, it's like, you, you recognize it if you heard it, it's blues. And I don't even like blues. Yeah. And I was like, Fuck the sound! Yeah, I, yeah, it's, muddy waters, amazing. Oh god, it's so good. It, and if you listen to, I was listening to like um, modern stuff, and it was shit, and then I ended up with muddy waters, and I was like, God, that sounds good. Um, the one I've been playing a lot recently is uh, James Brown. Uh, get up off of that thing. I, I when, agree with the story today. <laughs> I was like, you're listening to that? That's the amazing. First, the first thirty seconds of that song is so layered with authenticity and flavor and truth and he's not even singing yet he's making noises he's going ah ooh, ee, and whistling but it's like it, it's compelling it's dramatic like you have to listen that's you, a, no, that's a that's a jab in boxing man it's right. no theoretical yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. just, ugh. you know, there, it it cuts, and that's that's why you move because you're getting jabbed. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's from the gut. It's visceral, and uh, I think I th I think you know I, it occurs to me. Um, one a famous client I had years ago. He was involved in the formation of P Funk, the, the one of the originators of P Funk. Is and it's, not, it, it's it's not him, but someone very close to him. Someone okay, very okay. very close to him. And uh, we, it's not my thing, but I, I started to listen to it. And there's a whole ethos and a philosophy of things that have engagement and flavor and funk. There's this indescribable essence that you have to, and it's color and it's psychedelic and it's compelling and it moves you and it has passion. And you listen to the stuff now, or you go through YouTube videos or you watch films and it's like, there is zero funk to any of this yeah there's no funk in any of this well the, 
the initial sensation of works it sounds like a bunch of old people shit like in the past the music was better because but like in this case kind of because the initial feeling that you get from good music whatever time it might be made before the corporatization whatever the fuck else it was purely sensation first that was first and foremost the priority of these things emotion sensation I'm not a Fleetwood Mac person, but I know that they have a good song that even I enjoy. I don't think yeah. like what they're from and what their background is. I don't, I don't, whatever, you know? Yeah. But the problem is now is that we're putting the, the body and the identity first oh, it's and then the, the art, the film, the music afterwards. So it, it, it automatically comes out of a place that's restrictive. All good art transcends right. every boundary. It, it speaks to core humanity. Right. Um, I think that's why um, it's a tough movie, but Parasite did really well. That's a Korean movie. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like you said, you'd be a very odd person if uh, maybe for the first 10 minutes because you're, it's, you're yes, listening to yes. Korean and you'd, you'd have to acclimatize. But you, if by the end of that film, you're thinking, oh, the Korean man and the Korean wife and the Korean daughter and the Korean... You're a psychopath. <laughs> like, yeah. You get past that. It's the it's the husband, it's the wife, it's the children, it's their love for each other. It's not it's right. not Korean love, it's just love. <laughs> I got chills listening to that because that's a super intense movie, man. I, I mean, I highly recommend everybody to watch uh Parasite. But that's the thing. If you've never seen a Korean film like me, I mean you first see it, oh, it's Korean. Korean um streets, Korean town, Korean language. Okay, cool, cool. You know, it's and then the novelty eventually wears off. And then you're just in it. You yes. are with every character's being without the notion of their gender, their background, or whatever the hell. You can just relate purely to the sensation of when that scene happens. And, and this part here and this part, the, the intensity, the, the emotions you get from what these narratives play out are beyond human restrictions beyond human boundaries and that's what film movies and art is supposed to be there for so that's why i claimed earlier that this is literally a regressive ideology that will herald a new dark age we already got like that's what you do so you watch the korean film you go korean streets korean people korean language weird and then with exposure you acclimatize and you go just people it's husband wife lover whatever if people who are familiar with the korean movies know that they tend to be very emotionally intense they're quite a ride and this this is now saying no so we did that culturally we did that globally we did that as a species we were like "Ooh, you look different weird oh we have similarities some of your food's nice and so and then we got past that now these people are saying yeah you see that progress you made go back to the beginning where you thought Koreans were weird and that the fact they're speaking another language, I'm like, I can't do that. That's weird. I, what are you, are you fucking crazy? How am I supposed, yes. how am I supposed to forget what we already did and go back? How, right. how's anybody and, supposed to do that? And you notice that maybe you weren't acclimatized to Korean, whatever the hell else, but after you finish that, mm. you gain a sense of humanity for different cultures, but not in a divisive way. Yeah. It, it it hits to the core of your unconscious being to, yeah. that shows this element of human emotion and connectivity that goes beyond the skin color and race and gender and all this other fucking things. As that's why, as a 
as a truly passionate or was truly a passionate creative person, it pains me to see this new philosophy be based in these divisions where literally my fucking job, my life goal and passion was to transcend all of these boundaries through art and music and creating things in general. Mm. Yes. And I think, I think that what your experience, what you have individually experienced over the last two years points to again i i'm gonna hammer the point it's a regressive ideology it's infantile it's narcissistic they want you focused on winkies and new news they want you to think about the genitals of the person who's playing the tuba they want you to think about the genitalia of the person who made the painting why why be so body obsessed remember we, we did the thing about the flesh suits it's a flesh suit obsessed ideology why are you are you 10 like grow the fuck up it doesn't matter we all we as adults all know it doesn't matter you're insisting it matters no we have to say no to this because it's not only is it regressive it's so childish it's right. so fucking infantile and, and and this is coming from somebody i made a 40 minute dissertation on what asian racism is to me so i don't deny like racism is unimportant and it doesn't exist and you shouldn't do anything for it. I We've had deep talks about these things. You lived in Southeast Asia and you saw certain things yourself. You know, we, we come from pretty well-traveled backgrounds with, you know, interactions with many, many different kinds of people from all different things. But in order, but just scouting out and arriving at these conclusions that are already divisive, just seeking it out like that. It shouldn't start with that. It should start in good faith beyond these barriers. Absolutely. And I think it's a point worth making, and maybe I don't make it enough. Um, people think I'm a right-wing conservative. I was a radical leftist. And I don't disagree with 90% of what radical, truly radical leftists say is wrong with society. I, dis I, I actually agree with most of it. Their identification of the problems I don't disagree with. I just find their solutions horrendous. I just think their solutions are so, it, it's somewhere between, I think I said this in the video, like woefully naive and parochial. Like you really have to be a, a, a very insular thinker with no knowledge of history, no knowledge of culture, no knowledge of science to think that these solutions are going to bring anything other than horror, absolute horror. Yeah, and I, I think the reason why you've been so vocal, including me now, I guess, is now we're seeing the uh, tangible repercussions of following this for, to this extent. Mm -hmm. Again, before, I've said this many times, I just thought it was annoying. I thought it was something silly to, jung to juggle, you know? It was yeah. like, eh, so you guys think this, okay, well, what about this side? It's, it's no longer that, man. We're no. seeing the outcome. The results are, are physical. The results are everywhere now, and it's inescapable. I, I, more recently, I would go so far as to claim that our mishandling of our recent crisis is rooted in, in some of this. Well, our risk means, aversion. Well, is that a coincidence or what? It's, it's, it's you know, nobody should die everybody should be safe safe is the most important thing and it's like do you think we got to where we got to with all this progress with safe safety is important so is risk yin and yang integrated balance flowing intelligently moving yeah. forward 
I saw a video from another unnamed YouTuber uh, that literally said, The Weeknd's album is amazing, but he's not a good person. Why do you think the album is amazing? <laughs> Why are you casting judgment on a man you don't know based on the content of his album? Have, have they ever considered that everything The Weeknd is saying is merely a character? And even if it isn't, what does it have to do with you? It's got nothing to do with you. Dude, like... You Why know, do you have to say he's not a good person? You know what that says? I'm a good person. That's all that individual is saying. I'm yeah, exactly. really saintly. Oh, fuck yes. you with your saintliness. Have a line of coke. Yes. You know, <laughs> Get and, in a fight, you <laughs> You know, and, and like the other day, uh, my live streams eventually devolved into like a physical meltdown. And at one point I was improvising. <laughs> I was improvising this acoustic song. Right. And it just randomly came into this song singing about like, I grew up with a really good childhood, both parents there and I graduated, then I got a good job, then I had a kid. And then it was just like singing about a completely stable life. Yeah. Like imagine if that's what all music was. Yeah. Just there's no, everything is safe. And we only sung about safe things. Good, good. And once we've got there, Pierre, we'll have ended racism. No crimes will be committed. There'll be no sexual, It's that's the utopia, man. So be a part of the solution, Pierre. Don't be a part of the problem, you toxically masculine monster. Bruh, like. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> Dude, it, I'm seriously like I've been trying to tame this fury that's at the bottom of my rectum Don't during this. It. Containing fury will make you not want sex, and it will make you miserable. You must well, express that. I don't really flip anymore, so I guess that's not more than coincidence. And like I'm boxing and shit, but like this this circumstance is like it infuri it infuriates me, man. And and even somebody as big as Chappelle, like you know, stand up. He even said, "Like, fuck y'all, are the worst goddamn audience I've ever tried to fucking entertain." That's why I don't do comedy anymore. God bless Dave Chappelle and his huge plums that he wheelbarrows onto stage to do the comedy that he does. God bless him. I, I wish Patrice was still here because he really would save us from this. In the absence of Patrice, I'll take Dave. Anybody who's watching this, if you don't like Dave Chappelle's comedy, please unfollow me everywhere and never, ever consume one of my videos ever again because you you just are a deplorable. <laughs> <laughs> you are a degenerate, disgusting go now to the gulag. Or what? You just cancelled half of your audience. Um <laughs> Yeah, man, it, it, it's uh, even even. I mean, Peterson was also saying, you know, <laughs> well, you know, when when the comedians stop doing comedy, you know, you're in a really bad place. <laughs> and it's true, the comedians are gone, and a lot of comedi aspiring comedians probably just quit, and a lot of famous ones just don't get work anymore. It just it's over, dude. You know, it's just beginning. This is yeah. the pushback. This is well, the moment. Now is the time. 
apologies and, to Douglas for, for, for not backing him up sooner. Until you defeat this situation, then I can come out and do whatever I need to do. But in the meantime, I got to be in the bomb shelter. <laughs> You're in the bomb shelter going, I think there's enemies over here on the map. You go and deal with yeah, them. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I'm, just, I'm the strategizer, man. Well, you do, you're doing a great job, and it's keeping me disciplined, which uh, which I appreciate. And I, I think people people like the video that we did today. This is a, that was a PRXO production, folks. You got to remember that. Well, yeah, don't don't shout it on top of the roof, man. I'm supposed to be a ninja right now. Oh yes, yeah, sorry. PRXO didn't have anything to do with that disgusting piece of anti woke propaganda, alt right, yeah. neo Nazi. <laughs> Look, I even I got my hair cut, especially. I think I'm getting one sometime next week. This shit's getting getting unhandleable, man. <laughs> you want to get like a little comb over? Hey, Richard, you like my new hair? Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> Is that good? Oh, Jesus. Should, we take, should we take some questions? And, yeah, yeah, let's take a couple of questions. Room. And then I, I must uh, take myself to the to the gymnasium. Uh, there's a book canceling comedians. That sounds interesting. I'll I'm gonna write that down. Oh, canceling comedians while the word world burns. A critique of the contemporary left. I will actually probably listen to this today. Well, that sounds good. Yeah, canceling comedians. Must we mustn't uh, we must leave comedians alone. Raven said, "My favorite thing that Dave Chappelle did was the R. Kelly songs." Yes, he's a genius. So good. So, so good. Uh, question from Mr. Emilio's. Pierre, I noticed a lot of the videos on Richard's main channel have been removed. Did you remove them, Pierre? Or did YouTube do this? I didn't know. I, what happened? I've put a lot of videos on private. Um, I want to rev I, I need to manually go through and review everything. Um, so that if forward slash when uh, the calling comes, I know what I have out there. I need to know to a nicety exactly what there is. Okay. I am, and on my case, I'm just privating everything that I have because fuck y'all. That's why. Yeah. Because. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other questions, guys? Yeah, I had man. a dream. Well, I guess I'll. So. Go ahead. No, go ahead. This girl said, um, Becca says, uh, I had a dream last night that Richard really likes Bernays sauce. It's because I've been thinking a lot about Edward Bernays, the nephew of Freud, and what he's done to our world. Hmm. That's what it was. Yeah. Tea. Yeah, I mean, I, I privated 98%, actually, technically, like 99% of all of my Instagram photos, I privated more of my main channel videos, just like, like, who is this for now? Like, I'm giving this to mostly people that are perpetuating this nonsense directed at me eventually, you know? I think I think in terms of Egyptian hermetic magic, I think that that uh, Thoth and Hermes would want you to protect your sacred image for a little while because the yeah. image gets tired too. The avatar yeah. of who we are gets tired too. We, we need to put them to bed for a little moment, let them rest so they can come back refreshed and speaking lay that which, big faro dong down on people's foreheads. Speaking of which, I did that last night. No, uh, speaking of which, <laughs> but... Uh, what was his name? Well, <laughs> Richie. I named him after you. <laughs> Tiny. Anyways, yeah. God damn it. Um, I've been I've been experimenting with this revolutionary new concept. 
it's, mm. it's called anonymity mm. and it's quite it's quite weird i haven't really played around with it in a long time but i'm wearing a lot less makeup uh and i got a baseball hat dude got a fucking baseball what hat. and What's i'm fucking, and i'm fucking like down like this and i'm walking around looking like this and today i walked around and no one looked twice at me I was, I, I, it felt fucking liberating. I'm not going to lie, man. Before I would miss the attention for sure, because right now I'm giving, I'm giving up my stares from really pretty moms pushing strollers now, but just the, just feeling like completely invisible walking around just feels really nice right now. It probably snatches a little bit of your, of your spirit when people, when people are looking at you all the time. So. Um, yeah, it's I'm like giving away so much to everybody yeah. walking around. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Penetrative times. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Where do I get some of that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just being penetrated by random members of the public. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I used to love that, dude. I was a fucking masochist. Say this was a masochist. Masochist. Yeah. Yeah, no, I loved it, and I and I think I got my fair share of it, and I just didn't. I forgot the safe word, so I'm just showing up in a different outfit. <laughs> no, it makes sense. It makes sense to me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Pierre XO, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you again. I have to go. Could you do that again? One, two, three. Oh, it's a wet one that one. Um, I have to go to the gym and and uh, pump my titties now. It looks um, like daytime there right now. Why is it look so bright, man? It's the UK is so strange. So the the sun doesn't set until like half eight here. Are you in darkness? I mean, it's nine o'clock here. It's a complete darkness, dude. It's just where where it's so it's easy to forget how north the UK is. It's almost like Finnish <laughs> sort of sometimes. It's really odd. So I had a, an American guy come over here a couple of couple of summers ago for a seminar, and he said your sun comes up. Begins coming up at half three in the morning. What the fuck is that? I don't know. It's a strange place. Damn. All right, man. I'm going to stream on my second channel for anybody who wants to come for a quickie. As Pierre Extra, quickie. right? Pierre Extra for a little quickie. Uh, see, um, you know who I'm talking to. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you also very much for your time and for your attention. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Bye, guys. Good boy.